0: Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Dillman. And I'm Stephen Craig. And so, uh, what have you been doing this week,
1: Craig? Is that how we're starting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just blasting into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, this week actually, uh, working a little bit more on the, on the super, super stupid power supply. Uh, actually making some uh, voltage control to amplifier uh, for that. Been uh, trying to put together an analog version of a, a voltage-controlled amplifier, um, and finding that it's a lot more difficult to do analog than digital. And, yeah, uh,
0: I, I was seeing the uh, multisim stuff. You were you were actually working on that today.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, making making an accurate uh, voltage-controlled amplifier with uh, op amps and transistors is is a beast. It's pretty difficult. And I think the conclusion I came to is, you know. Five ten hours of work doing analog design could have been replaced with probably thirty minutes of a digital <laughs> circuit. Yeah, and about an hour of code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I might go that way. The analog stuff is fun. I love doing it, but uh, I just I think for this project it's not going to be right. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, because I was seeing all the, uh, the you were having you were having a uh, a twin twin
1: transistor. Op amp setup, right? Well, the the thing is, when for for, for an amplifier, if you, if you're talking about uh, the way human beings hear, uh, we we hear volume changes on a logarithmic scale. Mm-hmm. But the goal was to have a linear change in voltage control a logarithmic volume change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the 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 actual voltage controlled amplifier chip that I was using has a linear input. Uh, or a linear current to voltage uh, curve. So I wanted to put a log- logarithmic current into it. Into it, yeah. So I could basically control the volume using a linear uh, input voltage, but then the volume would perceivably change linearly yet it would actually change logarithmically. Yeah. Uh, and doing that with analog is... It's actually not that difficult, but getting everything to play nicely and be stable over temperature is a absolute beast. Yeah. Interesting. So we're just going to do microcontroller um, to DAC and I'm just going to run one yeah. little DSP algorithm. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that's, yeah, I think that's pretty much how we're going to have to do it uh, in this case. And, you know, temperature won't change anything and you'll have much more control. Yeah, Uh, map.c library. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and um, so I've
0: been working on the, uh, we're we're building this uh, XY platform at Macrofab to basically uh, uh, basically we'll build our own machines, kind of like inspection machines and soldering machines and that kind of stuff, and so I've been doing all the, the back-end research for that and I've gotten the We'll call it the macro PLC, but it's actually just an industrial controller. It does not use ladder logic at all, so you can't really call it a PLC. So, what actually is the XY platform? Um, So, it's basically just a giant, or not giant, but a small CNC machine that uh, you uh, can uh, use for any kind of uh, machine application. And the... The reason why we're developing it ourselves is so that we have direct control over the the actual controller software instead of using something off shelf. And I wasn't too keen on using some of the open source stuff, like um, for for like three D printing, they use a a ramps board and that software um, mainly because that's all single threaded stuff. And I wanted to use the uh, multi core capabilities of the Parallax Propeller to drive multiple steppers at the same time without having to lose
1: any um basically timing so basically it's just a a core of a of a cnc some some linear drives stepper motors things of that sort that you can just attach any kind of tooling you need to it and repurpose the software for whatever uh, task you needed to perform exactly the whole point is the
0: rapid rapid turnarounds on on designing a new machine so 90 percent each machine is the same and uses interchangeable parts and the code is most of the code is actually on the pc side driving the uh the uh controller so uh today i got the steppers moving finally like two weeks late but Ooh. they're moving now
1: um but yeah it's pretty cool um you want to talk about the um, the rails that you used?
0: Yeah, so we're using uh, or testing some rails from uh, Open Maker. Open build? Oh, it's an Open build. Open yeah. build. Yeah, yeah, it's Open build. And they use basically it's like an eighty twenty extrusion, but instead of rounded corners and that kind of stuff, they actually have V cuts on them, and so a V wheel basically rides in the grooves. And it makes for a really stiff chassis and a really stiff uh,
1: carriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the um, You purchased one rail. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the length of it? A thousand? Uh, 500 millimeters. Okay, yeah, 500 millimeters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and with the stepper and all the associated hardware, I think it, it was a total of $90? Yeah, it was like $96 with shipping. And that
0: got me the NEMA 23 motor, 500 millimeters rail, the carriage... All the wheels, um, the belt, and a limit switch. So it was a pretty good all-inclusive package, and it worked great. I mean, I it took like
1: about probably eight minutes to put together, and then yeah, yeah, ninety dollars for that. Uh, it, this this new CNC builder, hacker, maker thing is uh, that I'm seeing come about is is really cool. That we're able to get computer-controlled motion for so cheap nowadays. Yeah.
0: Um, especially, I think it's also the all these maker companies like OpenMaker and I think MicroRacks and a couple other ones like that are coming out with their own extrusion profiles and really driving down the price from uh, basically eighty twenty kind of stuff. Yeah, and it being on a smaller scale too helps because eighty twenty. I think the smallest they make is 10 by, 10 by ten. Yeah, ten, and it's that's still pretty big.
1: So well, these guys offer I think two sizes of rails. They have. The rail you bought, and then one that's twice as big. Uh, and profile, they actually have
0: several different profiles. They make a, uh, the one I got was the 1x2. Uh-huh. And they make a, I think they make a 2x3 is the biggest they make. But yeah, and they, and they make it so that the inner of the channels are, are hollow. And so you can actually run the other side of your belt through it. And so you only have one side of your belt exposed.
1: That's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. I put some thought into that. Yeah. Well, that was originally a Kickstarter thing, right? Or, well, some kind of crowdfunding. Yeah. I know there was one that was
0: crowdfunded, but I don't know if theirs was. Okay. But, yeah. Cool. Um, And so that's what we've been doing this week. So I guess we'll move right into the uh, rapid-fire questions or stuff we've seen. Hmm? Oh, yeah? So... Did you see that project with that strand beast? That was the Rope control strand beast. So yeah. yeah, so strand beasts are like these. Well, the real ones are these giant things that walk
1: on sand, and they have moving linkages. That pretty crazy. Yeah, mechanical kinetic art. Uh, strange, almost organic beasts. That that most of the time the, uh, the artist has them walk across the beaches, and they're typically driven by wind. Yeah, by wind. Yeah, he has some, some crazy mechanical leg joints that just cause these giant, I don't know, they look like they're made of bamboo uh, yeah, or, or they some, something of that sort, and they just crawl across the, <laughs> the beach. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, the video I saw of them uh, a while
0: back was, they also react to like water and stuff. Really? Yeah, they
1: had one, at least the one that he had the
0: video, it like crawled to the water and then when the water hit it, it
1: crawled back. Huh. I, I knew he was doing uh, or at one point in time he was doing uh, nothing but uh, mechanical motion for everything I wonder if he's added some intelligence to him now yeah or maybe it has something like if it hits a, like the water hits a lever and, and it causes the linkage to go backwards yeah it's it's intense uh, one way or the other
0: yeah and then uh, atmel if you or microchip now <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. came out with. The 18 Mega 328PB, um, which looks like a
1: supercharged version of the 328P. So what do you think of that guy? Honestly, it's looking pretty cool. The The first thing that I read about it is the fact that it has two more 16-bit timers, which, you know, double thumbs up on that for uh, for timers on that. The, the, the uh, Arduino only had one 16-bit timer, which is great, but... but gotta have that that timing gotta have that that accuracy in there and so that that was super cool yeah i remember um running into that issue a lot using arduino and running out of basically timers <laughs> well I think, if i remember right it has eight two eight bit timers yes uh along with it and eight bit timing is yeah, it's great but now now with this guy having three 16 bit timers awesome yeah the
0: um speaking of that only a couple of eight bits is uh the problem with eight bit is you don't have a lot of Headroom to keep counting, right? And I actually remember making a counter that a eight bit counter trigger to increase that. Basically, I made my own
1: rollover counter. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually yeah. While uh, a couple months ago, I was designing a, uh, a synthesizer with with uh, an Arduino, and in order to get frequency control like I wanted from it was like a tenth of a hertz all the way to twenty kilohertz, I had to. Actually, take my sixteen-bit timer, and I had that roll over to get uh, to get what I needed. Uh, so I, so yeah, it's it's it was a pain, but but it's cool now that we got this extra, um, the couple uh, timers in there.
0: Yeah, and it also has like more. You has a uh, another UART, which I think you had to use like a six four four P at mega mm-hmm. to get two was like the cheapest so you can get two your yeah or something like that but so now this one's got two yards which is cool so you can do you can do cereal and do your your i2c on the same um lines which mm-hmm. is cool oh wait no it's actually separate two cereal and two spi cereals that's right yeah yeah so you get you get um double both um 8-channel, 10-bit AD, um, which I think is normal on the regular one. But the cool thing here is also it operates down to 1.8 volts now, Yeah. which is really cool. And apparently it also supports 24 buttons of uh, built-in um, capacitance, which means it has uh, support built-in for capacitive buttons, like on your fancy uh, appliances and that kind of stuff. That's cool. And it seems to be more makers are starting to use those those capacitive buttons because they're cheaper. Buttons are expensive because they're mechanical devices. Yeah. Basically, anything that's mechanical on a PCB board is expensive. Yeah. And so having a capacitive touch button, yeah, brings your price down a lot. Cool. And also uh, increases reliability a lot. Yeah. Unless, unless the environment you're using the devices not working for the capacitance because I guess when it's really dry you don't actually couple really well to them
1: <laughs> but yeah cool well that actually uh, you know uh, looking at this the um, with the voltage the low end being down to 1.8 volts now that actually uh, kind of brings up a question that I got for you Parker mm-hmm. if you had to choose one rail voltage, to use for the rest of your design career. <laughs> what would that be? Well, so does this lock in forever for everyone?
0: Like, if, so if in the future can a if a company goes, we're only going
1: to be 2.5 volts, mm. and it's like, well, now <laughs> that, that might change your your no 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 for 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 Parker, yeah. by himself, you could only pick one rail voltage for the rest of your life. Um, uh, probably 1.8 volts. 1.8. Okay. Yeah,
0: lower voltage, you get. Better power, and yep. you get faster transitions, so you can go faster on your on your uh, data buses, and you get less transients, so you much easier to pass, you know, FCC CE testing. Lower voltage is always better, mm. mostly, unless mm. you're transmitting power, then yep. you want high voltage. Well, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then so we had uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Atmel being bought out by Microchip. And then before that, we had Altera being bought out by Intel, which was interesting, but kind of makes some sense. Well, now there's rumors of Xilinx, which was Atmos competitor, Um, rumored to be sold off. Mm. And that's another, you know, multi-billion dollar company market cap.
1: Given given another uh, couple decades and they'll all become one giant conglomerate (laughs) of chips. It'd be called (laughs) ChipCore. (laughs) ChipCore.
0: Okay. Well, no, Mega Chip Corporation. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so who do you think is going to be buying Xilinx? Because there's no, there's no, no one out there. Um, I,
1: what if, what if so what Altera if, bought them out? Well, it'd be, crushed, it'd be, in, it'd be Intel. Well, okay, you're right, Intel. And then they crushed all their products together. So now you got Microchip and Atmel, yeah. and Altera and Xilinx. You got these these titans out there. And, well, so, uh, let's see, who's, well, TI,
0: well, TI bought National National Semiconductor a couple of years back. Um, I think that was the last, they probably purchased other companies, but that was the last big purchase. I wonder,
1: I wonder if TI might be looking to get into the... You know, a, TI, if you look at what they're going into, uh, they, they do a lot of all-in-one packages mm-hmm. uh ti has a lot of chips that they're that they've recently released and in fact i've heard um gosh it's been a philosophy of ti for many years now where they they try to take one chip that kind of does it all for a corner of the industry yeah especially automotive they have one chip that just runs every sensor or every whatever you want in there um so I don't I don't I don't know if they're they're wanting to break into this. I think they they kind of it's not niche market for for TI. It's more like um, pick an industry and dominate it with a single chip.
0: Yeah, you know, or a single architecture. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, there's well there's a uh, there's also uh, AMD, but I don't think AMD's in the position to be buying anyone given how bad their their market is going right now. Mm. Because they, they bought uh, ATI, whoa, that was like eight years ago, yeah, yeah, something that like that, a maybe a decade ago, somewhere around there, and yeah, I think it was about eight years ago, eight, seven years ago, they bought them out. So I don't think they're in any position to buy them. I can't think of any anyone that's actually still has the cash left to...
1: <laughs> the cash left?
0: Yeah, I mean, think about it, like, yeah. the the Intel part doesn't have any... You know, cash floating around after buying app after at buying sixteen point seven Altura. billion, yeah, for yeah. like sixteen billion dollars, and Microchip just plopped down. What was it, three billion
1: change? Yeah, it was. It was something. Yeah, and then, well, there's ST. Yeah, ST's a big player in the game. Samsung. Yeah, Motorola. Oh no, what what's Motorola actually still making? I, you know, I haven't looked in a long time. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> It's yeah. a bad thing. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I couldn't tell you what they make right now at all. Yeah, um, it, it's the thing though is like Xilinx has been around. I shoot, I don't even know how long. But but the uh, you the name, for example, with the the microchip Atmel thing and and Xilinx being bought out. What I'm wondering is. Is the whole Atmel thing going to just dissolve and they just don't even... The name doesn't even oh, show up anymore? anymore. And the same thing is Xilinx just going to... Gone. Yeah. Well, it looks like Intel is going to keep
0: Altera's name around. They have so far. And... Basically, when you go to Altera's website, it says... Um, it says Altera and then it's like Subsidy of Intel. Yeah. It's like a tagline. Um, I mean, it could be like National Semiconductor. When TI absorbed of National Semiconductor, like... National 70 Conductor's data sheets are all wiped out. Like, it's all TI yeah, stuff now. No, it's, yeah, it's and just... And everything dumb. got updated to, like, TI's
1: naming scheme and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, makes... I, I like TI's data sheets, by the way. TI has some good data they sheets. They have very good mechanical drawings of their parts. Yes, they do. <laughs> Which we should talk about... The, this is something that Parker and I uh, talk about at work a lot. We need to have... All data sheets dimension pins from the center of the pin. Center of pins. Center of pin. Oh my gosh. Why can't people do that? Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, so yeah, Xylink's being up for sale.
0: Um, see, it would be very interesting to see who picks them up. I think the only people on the market that has cash to spend would probably be TI. Um, who else are like the big players? But ST, maybe? But I have no idea.
1: <laughs> Maxim?
0: Yeah, maximum you can buy their chips.
1: <laughs>
0: oh yeah. Actually the worst is LT. Linear Tech, worst at what? Like if you're like searching for a cool like a part oh. and you're like, oh yeah, this chip does everything and does the dishes and like, oh, it's LT. I can't
1: buy it anywhere. Yeah, no. it's just, <laughs> it's just not available. Yeah. Yeah. E- e- each one has their own unique little flavor that they add in the data sheets like yeah. 've I've dealt with Maxim chips and had mixed results with them, but honestly, their data sheets are awesome. yeah they have and really they good give, data sheets. The thing about Maxim is they give really awesome examples in their yeah. data sheets. Like most of the time you pull up a TI thing and it'll be like, Here's an op amp in inverting <laughs> configuration. It's like, great, am I back in in school? You know, like give me give me like an application. And Maxim will give you like five hundred applications in a single data sheet. Actually the cool thing is uh, on that note is Lt is the same way. Yeah. They
0: actually will like when you first bring up their product page, it has an application like schematic right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right and they there. really cater to engineers that way. problem is you can't
1: buy their parts. <laughs> yeah, dude. <they're> right. <laughs> You could, they're 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 high volume players i i guess they're, they're, the 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 onesies z hackers yeah probably don't i i completely stuff. avoid lt just from <laughs> yeah. and maxim is kind of a crapshoot
0: depending basically what the trick with maxim is when you look at the data sheet does it look old if it looks old you can't buy that part anymore <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well i think that will uh <laughs> wrap up this podcast we going A little bit over time, but... uh, Random tangents. Yeah. So this has been the uh, MacroFab Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Steven. Catch you all next time. Take it easy.